show today on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. We are going to hear from the Bassmaster Elite Rookie of the Year as he gets ready for the penultimate tournament of the season. Austin Felix of Eden Prairie is here to talk bass fishing. Speaking of tournaments, we've got one coming to Paul Bunyan Country next weekend. And we'll talk about that as well as a little football Paul Bunyan Country. Brent Bolte, the Bemidji State University football coach, is in to tell us about his upcoming season and the BSU football war on the shore next Saturday. It's all coming up on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. We're checking in with Austin Felix. He's on the Bassmaster Elite Tour. In fact, uh, shortly after we get done here, he'll be heading out to New York for the next two tournaments. Austin, a new guest on the show. Thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Hey, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, where you grew up, uh, how you got into fishing, and how you made your way into the Bassmaster Elite Circuit. I grew up in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, down here in the western suburbs of the Twin Cities. That's basically where I learned to fish and grew up, went to high school, went to college at the University of Minnesota, but most of my tournament fishing was done around Lake Minnetonka, a little bit on the lax, and then just traveling around this state and a little bit in wisconsin but uh yeah i've been fishing my whole life early on i had the typical upbringing where family would go up to the cabin go out on the lake and a 14 foot pin boat and just catch whatever bit but about the age of 14 i kind of uh got introduced to tournament fishing and after that i was pretty well obsessed with it <laughs> Well, what, uh, what 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 was the spur that said uh, that made you say to yourself, "I think I want to do this for a living"? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I grew up playing a bunch of different sports, and I always liked competition. And I love fishing. And my old man had a buddy who introduced him to tournament fishing while I was maybe thirteen, fourteen years old. And yeah, it seemed like the first time he pulled up in a new bass boat. I got to go practice with them. Basically, it was like the eye-opening experience. That's what really hooked me. It was the whole deal. If I could go fishing and compete, it, it sounded like the best of both worlds. Uh, at the time, growing up, I, I didn't really think there was an opportunity for me to get to the upper echelon to fish the Bassmaster Elite Series at some point, but a lot of blocks fell into place as things along and here i am <laughs> how long have you been on the elite series well this is my second year on the bassmaster elite series i uh was a rookie last year was fortunate enough to win the rookie of the year title which was an awesome accomplishment but wow. before that i finished uh the flw tour for four years and i feel like that was a really important deal because it 
it's not as well known, it's not as highly touted as the Bassmaster Elite Series, but at the same time, it really helped me how to like, learn to be a bass fishing pro, learn how to how to use your time wisely, how to practice, how to make decisions on the water and that kind of stuff. I would think one of the most exciting things about whether it be FLW or, or Bassmasters is the, the fact, like, for you now, you're heading out to New York and, you know, you're you're exploring waters uh, all over the nation. Oh, yeah. it's That's one of the best things about it. I always said if I had to have an office job, I don't know if I could ever do it just because I get cabin fever really quickly. And the fact that we get to travel all over the country the scenery always changes even when we go back to the lakes they always change too nothing's ever really the same it's an absolute blast but don't i don't take it for granted it's actually it's a ton of work too it's not just going out going fishing it's long hours and a lot of time behind the wheel but it's worth it for me yeah you know uh when when you're going bass fishing in a tournament uh, it's not like you hop on a plane. You can't really put your boat in the plane. So I mean, you're 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 doing a lot of roads. You're looking at a lot of highway. Oh yeah, especially coming from where we come from up here, Minnesota. Uh, it tends to be once I hit the road, I'll be gone for weeks or even months at a time. For example, like two months ago, we had a stretch where we had four events: two in Alabama and two in Texas. But there was a week off in between each event so realistically it was like a two-month time span well it doesn't make any sense to drive home from texas when you only have a week off so i i'm fortunate enough that i have buddies pretty much all over the country now that i can crash at for a week if i need to or for a few days so that's essentially what i did i left and i hit the road for over two months and fish a tournament and then i go hang out at a buddy's place for four or five days until it's time to head to the next one yeah, that's that's the kind of thing you got to have family or a wife or a girlfriend who's really independent and really understanding <laughs> if you're if you're going to be able to do it. That's the key. It's a, it's an unusual lifestyle for sure. Um, so you're you were rookie of the year last year. How is this year going for you so far? It's going good. Uh, not quite as good as last year, at least at the position I'm in right now. But uh, I'm inside the classic cut line. I think I'm. 29th in AOI right now so I got 30 or 40 point cushion on that cut line which is good and the best part about it is we're heading north to New York so this last swing is going to be kind of the smallmouth northern swing where typically I tend to excel and if I do my job well then we should be able to get to the classic again next year on Hartwell that's the plan but you never know you got to get out there and see what's going on so you're leaving later today. Give us the rundown now. What's going to be happening here for you uh, the next few weeks? Oh uh, yeah, so I'm headed straight to Champlain in Plattsburgh or Plattsburgh, New York. It's about a 21-hour drive. The way we have to drive it now, it's it's a little shorter if you go north through Canada, but obviously right now that's not allowed. So we got to drive down around Chicago and around all the Great Lakes and back up almost to the border, but. Uh, so we got a tournament practice starts on the 5th for Champlain. So we'll practice the 5th, 6th, and 7th, and then we have a four-day tournament. And then that tournament ends on the 11th and practice for the St. Lawrence River, or Thousand Islands, whatever you want to call it, starts on the 12th. So 
if I'm fortunate enough to make all four days on Champlain, you essentially away your fish and then beat it up to the Canadian border a couple hours away and to be ready to start practice on the St. Lawrence. And we'll have the same thing, three-day practice and a four-day event. And after that, our season's over, our regular season's over. And you find out whether you made the cut. Yeah, I'll know then. Our season's getting done a lot earlier than it usually does. Usually we end sometime in late August or even September. But I think after all the scheduling fiascos last year, Bass tried to kind of squish everything front-loaded as much as possible in case they had some sort of issue they'd have time to reschedule things again so but we've been lucky everything's been good all the tournaments have more or less gone off without a hitch so we're going to be done pretty early this year so once you hit the water and you start pre-fishing you know what's your game plan over those few days what are you trying to accomplish um i mean you kind of have to figure out what sort of condition the lake is in where the fish are and related to the spawn or post-spawn or summertime uh and how they're set up and the thing about both these new york lakes with thousand islands and champlain is they're huge lakes so trying to break down the entire lake or the entire river is just doesn't make any sense and it it can be too time consuming because even if you find if you find two really good spots but they're 45 miles apart. You can't really fish them both on the same day anyways without burning a ton of time. So, yeah, you kind of got to hunker down, pick a few areas, and, and see what you can figure out and just try to find the most fish you can. Hopefully it'll last you four days. <laughs> but you can't really go up in there with too many preconserved notions. Obviously, I know what baits or what rods I'm going to have rigged when I get there, but at the same time, you have to be able to call an audible and switch real fast if you need to i presume you've spent a lot of time on the internet reading up on it as well you can do a lot of research in advance yeah we do a decent amount of that at this point i've been to st lawrence twice now i've been to champlain five or six times so i know the layout i know where the boat ramps are and you kind of know how to get around and have an idea what the lakes look like so there shouldn't be any real surprises it's just figuring out what stage the fish are going to be in and where they're at that's the thing that changes every time <laughs> uh, for all of us for all of us well when you when you have some free time uh do you do you still fish for bass or do you go fishing for other things no i still fish for bass uh like i've been home for about a week and a half two weeks since the classic now and i've spent three or four days up on malax here in the last week or two just dialing in my boat and dialing in my smallmouth game because we haven't really had an opportunity to do that yet this year and got to knock the rust off a little bit so <laughs> i i do go bass fishing I, I tend to even when i'm just fun fishing go to lakes that tend to have tournaments on it instead of going to little lakes i know you can catch bigger fish and probably have better days on little less known lakes but at the same time i always feel like well if there's an, a chance that i'll have if the tournament comes to Minnesota at some point, or if you're just fishing a team derby here sometime, I, I like to stay up on the tournament lakes, whether that's Minnetonka or Malax or Gull or Whitefish or Leech or Lacrosse or, you know, the typical Minnesota. We have a lot more to go with Austin Felix of the Bassmaster Elite Tour getting ready for the big tournament on in New York. Up next, though, a tournament closer to home. 
It's the War on the Shore, a fundraiser for the Bemidji State University football program. Head coach Brent Bolte tells us about that and a little Beaver football talk, too. That's next. A fish and Paul Bunyan country. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service. Are you looking to plan a fishing trip? Look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is your year-round destination for walleyes, pike, muskie, bass, perch, crappie, panfish, and more. With over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji, come take a cast at becoming a fishing legend. While you're on your fishing adventure, come take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Discover the first city on the Mississippi... Bemidji, one step further. Welcome back to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Well, you know, we do talk football every now and again on this show. We get Jason Freed, the Greater Warriors coach on. We never get Stoffel on because he doesn't fish, but uh, we'll get the VSU coach on and to give us the Bemidji perspective. Brent Volke, welcome to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Well, we're going to talk about uh, BSU's War on the Shore uh, fishing tournament in a little while. But, you know, when the football coach is here, we've got to talk a little football. I'm sure you and your entire staff are really excited to actually have some football coming. You ain't joking. Uh, it's been long overdue, and we always talk about we felt like our season last year kind of got cheated on us. We had a few competitions in the spring, but it's just time. The kids are sick and tired of practicing, and... We're sick and tired of looking at schedules and redoing schedules and, you know, swabbing our noses and whatever else with COVID. So uh, we're just excited to get back to some normalcy and get back on the field to chat. And we're going to play a a real schedule. It's going to start typical weekend, uh, Thursday night football on the road to get things started. Correct. We play down at Sioux Falls. Uh, Not an easy one to open up with. They'll be a top 20 team. Uh, So that'd be a great one to kind of measuring stick for us. So we're down there September 2nd, and then the following weekend is our first. It'd be our home opener against Wayne State. So tell me a little bit about uh, the students uh, that didn't get a season last year. I think they have the opportunity to come back, correct? Well, if you can figure that out for me, I'll (laughs) I'll hire you. Um, The NCAA did allow everybody to get an extra year, which... In theory, sounds great, right? Everybody gets an opportunity. So we had the vast majority of our seniors come back. There's a few guys that it, it was time, you know, getting married, having kids, you know, getting jobs. Uh, but I think we got 15 out of the 19 guys came back. Um, so we're excited about having that. But the weird thing is, and you got to recruit. So instead of having five cycles of kids, you have six. So uh, the, the lasting effects of COVID for the roster would probably be four or five years down the road. So in a way, it's neat that these kids get extra years, but you know, a freshman could technically or a sophomore could be a junior or, or have an extra year as a sophomore. So has made made some some interesting talks about our roster. But other than that, um, that's the way the NCAA did it. So we still you know, took a smaller recruiting class, obviously, and plugged some holes, but we were excited. We got a, a, lot, of, a lot of guys coming back. And these things you have to figure out, every other team in, in D2 has to figure out as well. Yeah, everybody does, and I think for smaller sports in terms of roster sizes, it's a big a deal. Um, when you have a 110-man roster and you're trying to figure out your best 110, and it gets to be a little bit difficult, and you know, this year in particular, look at the high schools too, certain, you know, Wisconsin and Illinois, they didn't even have seasons, so you're trying to evaluate kids that you know, a sophomore and junior film. So there's a lot of kids that are affected too coming out. And so I think that even for the high school kids coming out uh, in terms of the recruitment process is going to last for a few years too. 
if you can remember back before COVID, as you came out of that that season and were thinking we were going to have life be normal, how how were you feeling about the, the the upcoming year then? Yeah, I mean, 2020 season was going to be exciting. I think we, you know, on a piece of paper, um, we were probably as deep as anybody in our league, and I think we thought it was going to be one of our better teams. Um, obviously, we've had some issues at quarterback, staying healthy, so. Um, Kind of a silver lining to that is Brandon Alt's going to be healthy and, and be back for us. He had missed the 2020 season. So, you know, Eminem Wright obviously filled in. We took some transfer to help that out and develop some kids. But um, we were excited about our O line. We had, you know, multiple all conference, all American, all region kids coming back. So uh, you look at both sides, we were, we were excited and thought we'd be a playoff caliber team. And really, nothing's really changed in that aspect. It's just, you know, you just develop so much more depth with the younger kids. So, I think across the board, it'd be, it should be pretty darn good football in the NSIC and in here at BSU. So I don't know. I'm itching. I wish it was September 2nd already. It'd be nice to, <laughs> to be out there and, and see where we're at. Well, it's, it's going to be a little while yet. We've got to camp and all that stuff coming, which I'm sure you're very excited about. Um, NSIC, always, always a very tough conference, not just uh, for this area, for the nation. So, oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean... I think the one point in the 2019 season, there were seven teams, including us, in the top 25. So, um, you know, we lost a couple teams in St. Cloud and Crickston, unfortunately, dropping football. So when you really think about it, and they weren't in the top 25, but, I mean, essentially half of the teams in our league are ranked in the top 25. So, you know, we joke about being the SEC or the Big Ten of the of D2, and there's, there's other really good conferences too, but it's right up there with some of the best in the country. So how did they realign everything? In terms of, in terms of, you had a you had a, what was a north and a south division, and you lost a couple of north teams. So how did that get changed? You know what they ended up doing is they moved Concordia St. Paul out of the south. They'll be in the north competing, and so that essentially evened it out to be seven and seven for football. Uh, I think we might be the, the one of the few sports that have a north and south. Uh, maybe basketball does too. I should say that, um, but for us. It really doesn't change much. The only difference is now is we pick up an additional crossover game. So we still play a closed schedule, meaning we only play NSIC schools, which is a whole other topic. We could take an hour uh, with that. But uh, I'm massively in favor of playing out a conference game just to, for playoffs, uh, nothing more than that. But um, So we pick up an extra team. So like this year we play technically five out of the seven. So we're, we're getting close to basically playing the whole league. But... But that's where we have been uh, in other years. We kind of had four teams in the South we played. We were off a year against the other four in flip-flops. So that's the way they, they figured out the schedule. Someday I'm going to have to have you in, and we're going to have to talk about the Supreme Court ruling and what it might mean for D2 athletes. Uh, I don't think anybody knows what it means for any athletes yet, so we won't get into that today. But I mean, I'm sure that's a headache you have to start looking about. Or, or I don't know if it's a headache, but it's something, a reality we have to think about. It's a reality, and, and it hasn't probably trickled down quite as much to our kids yet. I think it's so new. But you're right. Yeah, there's going to be the, a whole host of things that's going to open doors for the collegiate athletes with that decision. Okay, well, again, we, we don't have time today, and, and we really need to get into fishing, so we probably should go to that route. Uh, Brent is here because Bemidji State University football program has uh, had the War on the Shore fishing tournament the last few years. This is the, what, third or fourth annual? It's the third annual War on the Shore. Okay, so how did that get started? And I know we're doing things a little bit differently this year. You know, it honestly started probably because I'm an avid fisherman and I <laughs> wanted to do it. So uh, I just thought it was always cool. You know, we had... Uh, 
the ones in town, the night of Columbus, and obviously they, it's just fun to see that pageantry and the people out fishing and doing what they love. Um, and obviously having the Peterson family up here with Northland, the connections, you know, I know Jason Freed really well and the connections through the Brainerd Lakes area with the fishing industry. Uh, Beef uh, has obviously been a loud, mm-hmm. uh, not loud, a great voice for us. Uh, and he helped us. We did an ice fishing tournament once upon a time too, but we're just like, do something different. Let's have some fun. Get out on the lake. Something that I think most of our staff does anyway. So we just kind of came up with this idea uh, with the war on the shore. Kind of piggyback that name off of. We use that for for our, actually our team camp uh, when we have our it's the championship of our our team camp. So we rode with that for the name and and uh, that's how it really started. And from there, you know, it's just kind of picked up momentum as we went. It kind of started as hey, five hundred dollar prize, just something small. Um, but now we've got some kind of tangible, you know, gifts or, or for the winners. You know, we have the winner gets two thousand dollars, the runner up is a thousand, and I think the the third place team's three hundred. We have big fish for for the tournament for the walleye division. We have registration prizes and all that sort of stuff. So it uh, is grown from something of a bunch of buddies probably just jumping on the boat for the weekend, and now we kind of made it into some of the alumni and the local community can get back involved with. Well, you know, I mean, one of the staples, one of the crown jewels of Bemidji State football is the fact you have this beautiful stadium on the shore of Lake Bemidji. So it only makes sense that you slide from there onto the water. Right. And I tell recruits this all the time. I live on the east side, kind of off by the, the river over there. And I've done it multiple times where I just leave my boat at the neighbors and jump in, come to work, fish on the way, fish back. So, um, you know, I'm from Iowa, right? So we have, you know, cornfields and soybeans and a couple trees here and there. So when you get a chance to, to be around Bemidji in the local area, you know, take advantage of it. So uh, we love where we're at and it's a selling point. Like we talk about this with recruiting Kev all the time. Like we're, we're not the Twin Cities. This is it, baby. This is what we're about. So, you know, dive in. You don't have to be like a hunter fisher gatherer to be up here, but sure makes it easier, right? It's, <laughs> it's fun to do. So uh, that's how it all kind of took off. And we have some guys that have helped along the way. Sean Anderson works at BSU. Uh, as a maintenance guy, and he's helped out kind of getting it rolling with us and helped over the years. Beef's been a big supporter and helped us along the way, the Peterson family, obviously. And and uh, so it's kind of growing that way. And, and when you couple it with athletics, you know, it just kind of hits a broader spectrum of people. So that's how we got the ball rolling. So, Brent, uh, this year we're doing the app. We're, uh, we're kind of expanding the tournament field. It isn't uh, just Lake Bemidji. Uh, give us the rundown of how the new War on the Shore is going to work. Well, I hate. To, I have to humbly say this. I did so poorly in the last one. I had to open up a different lake than Lake Bemidji. <laughs> um, my brother and I, we only caught one last year, so we were we were pretty embarrassed. But the reason we did it, we ended up uh, kind of following a different tournament. And just thought it made sense to open it up to some different regions. So we ended up opening up to Beltrami, Hubbard, and Cass County, uh, mainly just so people can kind of fish their home lakes and not have to come to Bemidji if they're you know, a little bit further away. So we choose, we, we did that. It's two to two or excuse me, 6 a.m. It's a start. Uh, so you can get to your local lake or where you're going to go to. Uh, the app will be live. We're using tournament angler, uh, as well. And so I know a lot of the, the recent ones with COVID have been using this online app. So we're excited about using them. It's just by total length is what we use. So you get to, you know, use for your length, seven walleyes, which we say is a touchdown. And then we use kind of our kicker of our tournament makes it a little bit different. We get to get to use three northerns as well, kind of a field goal approach. So you get to, to I guess, weigh in, I should lengthen, however you want to say it, uh, 10 total fish, um, which seven obviously are walleye. And we don't have, it's just your biggest fish in each, each area. 
uh, total length wins, and then we have some random prizes associated with that as we go. Uh, top three teams, like I said, get the prizes, and we're going to follow up at 4 o'clock out at Rutgers. Uh, so if you're on Lake Bemidji or the Channel Lakes, you can just pull into there, and, and uh, we'll get going at 4 for the ceremonies to give people time to, to get back, clean up, and get out there. You know that's um, that, that's the cool. I mean, it's the easy thing to do when you when you can do it at base when it's uh, when there's no uh, catch and re- when you're not putting them in a live well, you can just go with the seven biggest fish, or if you want to count the northern, there's ten biggest fish. Right, and part of it's just simplicity for the app too, like going through it. We've we've used some different apps uh, previously. Last year when we did it, we used an app, a, a different app, and it was still good. But I just heard great re- you know reviews of the one that we're using with the tournament angler. Uh, it's been used by a lot of different organizations through Minnesota, so we're excited about using them and, and getting our sponsors. They're able to run the you know the boards and the and all that sort of stuff as we go through it. So we're uh, we're chugging along. Uh, we also added this year, which is a little bit different than some of the other tournament. We actually added a national division as well. So if you can't make it back to the the counties that I mentioned before, if you're um, in Ohio or if you want to go jump on a Great Lake or if you're in Iowa or wherever you want to go to, uh, you can do the tournament from there. We kind of have a separate division, uh, which is just winner takes all. So we kind of have it said if you we have enough people in it, it'd be a thousand dollars for that one for the top prize. Otherwise, it'd be off a percent of, of the entry uh, of the boats that would be entered. So. Just add something different. Uh, yeah. Really, I did that so my brother and my brother-in-law could do it, and I want to beat <laughs> them too. So uh, it's a, it's it's a bolty rivalry, I guess, a little bit. But it, we had a few other people that said they couldn't make it back, so we just say, hey, let's try to keep people included and and want to support Beaver football. Let's let's try to do it. All right, since this is app-based and you can be in all those lakes, I'm assuming there's no uh, well, there is no opening ceremony per se. And registration will all be done online? Correct. Uh, registration's all done online. You can just, obviously, on all the social media accounts that we have through you know, Instagram and Twitter, everything as coaches we live on these days for recruiting, or simply can go to the BSU alumni, alumni page. Uh, this War on the Shore fishing tournament. You can click on that and register. So pretty simple. We'll continue to bomb that out. Uh, we have early registration prize. We have a cordless drill that acme it's like a 300 to 350 dollar prize for the there'll be a drawing for that uh, we also have uh, for all early registration boats that one will be in all boats will be in a um a raffle when we get back um for 300 dollars to get their get their registration back just to be in the tournament so trying to do a little bit different kind of get different prizes just in case unfortunately you're my boat and you don't get first place you can have a chance to win a raffle to get your money back too so it's 300 dollars a boat Correct. And yep. is there a maximum number of people allowed in a boat? Correct. We do three. It's three hundred dollars per boat with a max three people. Okay. Uh, per boat. Okay. So, so you, if it's two people and you win, you get a little more money than if it's three people and you win. Basically, is what it comes down to per, Cor- per person. Correct. Correct. If you want to roll the dice and just be in a, a lone soldier out there, I guess you could <laughs> you could run the gamut by yourself. But uh, I need all the help I can get, so I, I'll take the the additional two people in my boat. <laughs> So three hundred dollars a boat, and you register online. Uh, you will you will fish, start fishing at six a.m. on whichever lake you want to, and it's all done via the app, as you mentioned. Uh, wrapping it up at Rutgers, and also at Rutgers, you're also uh, starting off uh, a multi-week um, uh, auction. Yeah, we decided. Sometimes it gets a little clumsy the day of to do some of the on, or you know they do silent auctions and everything else. So. With one of the benefits of COVID, I would say we got really good at figuring out how to do stuff online or at least make it a little bit more streamlined. So 
We have on the 17th is the fishing tournament, and then the 30th we have a BSU uh, alumni golf tournament that's out at Castle Highlands, and I lovingly call it the Tracks Open. Uh, we initially set it up last year. It was on his birthday, so it just seemed fitting uh, to do it that way. But what we decided to do was to take the additional prizes from both sides, the golfing, the fishing, the hunting, everything that we got. We have upwards of seven thousand dollars with the prizes for that right now so we're excited about having that you know not just the people that can be there but anybody in the community or any of the alumni that want to bid on on those auction prizes so we'll open that up uh on the 26th of july it'll be all over the place we'll get that out social media wise and in the local businesses and then it will actually close the 30th as we close uh the tracks open uh we have our social for that down at the tavern so It'll be, it'll be fun. That's always a good time. And, and so that's just something that we're trying to, yeah, we're trying to make money, but get our stuff back out. We have, um, Lori Wakefield's bringing over, uh, uh, a bunch of St. Croix rods over from Butternut, Wisconsin. So we're excited about having those. We have a bunch of guided trips and, in, in different stays at different resorts. So it'd be, it, it's an awesome setup. Hopefully uh, you get a chance to see it. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, the other cool thing about this is when you're opening up in three counties, Anybody can participate. There's no, you know, it's not lake-based, so you're not required by the DNR to limit it to a certain number of boats. As many who want to do it can do it. Right. And that was probably, if we look back in time, like, to get the all the paperwork through the DNR. And they do a great job. I wouldn't want their job trying to, you know, manage the lakes. Um, but it, it, it did make it a lot more simple, and it probably allowed us to get more people. So when we saw some other tournaments doing it, we're like, why not? That just seems like a, just a, a great way to do it. Less paperwork. Who wants to do paperwork? So uh, we, we followed up through the DNR, and they gave us the go-ahead, and that's uh, why we decided to run with it. Well, and you got a lot of fans and probably a lot of former players or just former BSU alums that, that watched football while they were there living in those three counties. So um, they don't have to make a trip over, and they can still support BSU. Yeah, and that's the whole intent. Like the bottom line, this goes back to our athletes, and I think if you can have fun going out and do it, and hang out and have a have a pop with your friends afterwards, or whatever you're into, have some fun. Uh, just the social aspect, and you know, we took out some novice fishermen last year. Stoffel being one of them, by the way, <laughs> uh, and he was oh, you know, he was worried how how long the day would be. And it goes fast. And oh, yeah. you're out there and having fun. You bump into some people that you know fishing. And, and before you know it, you're back in, you know, usually licking your wounds and that you, that you didn't catch the big one. Or, of course, the big one got away. You know how it goes. Uh, yeah. But we're excited about doing it. It should be a, a good time. And we we're, we're, we feel pretty good about where we're at for registration. You know, our goal, obviously, is to probably get to around 20. That's kind of what we kind of see our tournament, at least the local one. If it grows from there, great. Um, but we've had a lot of people like Aaron at Northwoods has helped us out tremendously. I mentioned Beef, the Peterson family's helped out, just kind of helping us organize. it. been around fishing in the industry for a long time. So um, we've just kind of leaned on the people in the industry and for the local guys. I've been fortunate to have some really great sponsors, the Broader Brother Construction and Brainerd. They're alums. They fish in it. they one of the main sponsors. Uh, Grime, Todd Geiger was a player and obviously now working in town here. So appreciate those guys and, and Federated Insurance always. Jordy Christensen, he's fantastic for BSU and does a lot, hires a lot of alumni just in general through Federated. So uh, those guys have been great. They love it. They come back and fish too. They have a good time. So, Kev, I, I wasn't joking though. If you have some free time, we'll take okay. you on the boat. All right. I expect a ringer. <laughs> yeah, right. I talk a lot. I don't fish a lot, unfortunately. 
Hey, um, so this is for BSU football, of course. Is there anything that this is specifically earmarked for? For us, this just goes back to kind of just uh, priority needs for the players. Um, we use it in all capacities, to be honest with you. We use it a little bit for scholarship. We'll use them for travel. Um, you know, it's nice to be able to get out on the road instead of, you know, going to wherever, you know, pizza ranch for a night. We'll, we'll have a nice sit down and do something different. So I think the bigger thing about collegiate sport is it's supposed to be a higher experience, right? And I get financial burden and, you know, having a budget to work in. But every dollar counts, and, and they're allowing us more. This is something that came out. Now we get to travel, I believe, 62 to our first two road games, which you don't think about it. adds you know, hotel rooms. It adds more travel costs, which is good for the players. But anything we do, pre, um, pre-game meals, that's something that we use for this too. And and uh, we use it just, just for program needs. But obviously the big one would be scholarship that we'll kick some back into as well. Okay. Um talking about Lake Bemidji and the woods and all the lakes around here. We kind of touched on it a little bit. How big of an advantage or how much does that help you in recruiting? You know, Kevin, it, 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 it limits your pot of kids, and that's not a bad thing because there's we recruit the Midwest, and we've been talking about this. Wisconsin, Minnesota are big ties, and obviously North Dakota, we're really Jeff Tash and Rich probably set our, our alumni and turned the program around when I first got here. Well, we certainly expanded into Illinois, Iowa, South Dakota, Nebraska, and we have, you know, Texas and here, their kids. But we found out that it helps us because if they're outdoor recreational kids and they've been to, let's say, the Northwoods, even Wisconsin or Minnesota, they want that. And we have a unique, something unique to sell at Bemidji. Like, you know, we have 5,000-ish students and there's not a lot of schools like that. They're either really big or you have the private school, like 1,500 or 2,000 kids. So we kind of have this little niche, and you have the outdoor recreational stuff. You have the seasons up here, which is great. You have the, you know, obviously the summer months are fantastic. You have the fall where they can hunt and fish. They can get out ice fishing, snowmobile, and do everything. So for us, we have hundreds of kids come up here. And, like, we had a kid up here from Iowa yesterday, and his eyes were about this big. And, <laughs> It's like, Dad, can we do this? Can we do, you know, get out? And Dad's like, well, we got to get back. It's an eight-and-a-half-hour drive. But you could just see the excitement. And some kids are like, oh, where's the mall or where's this? So it's like, it, you know who you're going to recruit. <laughs> um, but if they like that kid, they stay. And that's the big thing with collegiate sports. Like, if you get your roster all of a sudden kicking over 18 to 20 seniors, usually you're going to win. And if they select it because they like the community, they like the school, and they have things they can do in their off time, it's a huge advantage for us. So it's, uh, in a way, some people say, ah, oh, you're, you're in the Northwoods, you're four hours from the Twin Cities. I'm like, I wish I was seven hours from the Twin Cities sometimes. and give me a little bit further away from more people. But um, it, it really has worked out extremely well for us, and kids certainly love what we're, what we're selling up here. Brent, again, if people want to get registered, what's the quickest way to do that? Just go to do the BSU alumni, which is right off the BSU main webpage. Um, there's a list of events on there, and you'll be able to click and register right there. Brent Bolte is the head coach of the BSU Beaver football team. He is ready to play. Well, he's ready to coach some football, and uh, he's ready to do some fishing on the 17th of July. It's the BSU War on the Shore, and again, you just register online, and you fish where you want to. Brent, as always, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Kev. You're listening to Fishin' Paul Bunyan Country. Austin Felix of Eden Prairie, my guest, the Bassmaster Elite Rookie of the Year last year. 
getting ready for the last two Bassmaster Elite tournaments this year and hoping to get a spot in this year's Bassmaster Classic, both tournaments up in New York. So as a, as a guy who's been fishing bass on a lot of lakes uh, here in Minnesota over the years, which ones stand out to you as the real good ones, the the best of the best? As far as learning the tournament fish, uh, Lake Minnetonka is about as diverse as it gets. I grew up fishing the Denny's tournaments out there, which I think has probably the hardest competition in the state. So if you can do well in that circuit, you can pretty well do well anywhere. That's kind of what I've always told people. Coming from Minnesota, we have such a diverse group of lakes. You really get to see everything. So even when I travel down south, you never really get spun out or you never are surprised with anything because we can flip dirty milfoil. We can fish clean rocks. You can fish for smallmouth. You can fish current. You can fish grass. You, You really get to see everything. And while our season is condensed into six or seven months it also gives us the ability to see all different we we get to fish in all different seasons and our fish bite pretty well so it it allows you to get confidence with different baits and everything so fishing in minnesota really makes you a really well-rounded angler and it's helpful you can see from all the guys having recent success there's more and more guys moving over here so Oh, that's for sure. I was just going to mention that, Austin, you and and several other Minnesotans, and of course Gussie and and a number of Canadians are really starting to make a lot of noise on the Bassmaster Elite Circuit, kind of our revenge for all those Southern hockey teams, I'm thinking. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's uh, more and more people are realizing it's not just a Southern man's game anymore, and for a while that was sort of the way it seemed to be, but a lot of amazing anglers. I mean, we have three-quarters of the lakes in the country, you think we'd have three-quarters of the good fishermen, too. <laughs> well, I, I, I like to think so. I might be a little prejudiced. but So how many Minnesotans are on the Bassmaster Elite Tour right now? Me and Seth, obviously. Uh, Bob Downey, I'm not sure if he's living in Wisconsin or Minnesota at the moment. Caleb Kupal is from Wisconsin. I kind of lump us all together. And then I know there's a couple other guys from Wisconsin, too. Okay. Obviously, Gutsy is kind of a northern guy i i kind of lump them together as northern guys instead of just minnesota because oh yeah there's a there's a few of us that those of us north of the mason dixon line yeah all the southern guys lump us all together (laughs) anyway so (laughs) do it too uh pat schlapper's also new this year he's from wisconsin yeah there's definitely a few there's way more i really think seth did a pretty good job kind of frontiering the way to the elite series they got a lot of minnesotans fishing those opens and stuff i like to think i helped a little bit but there's getting big fast very cool well um before you head out for those of us who are going to be fishing up here in minnesota what should we probably be doing this weekend what should we we be throwing at the bass the last couple of days up on the lax the fish have gotten really stingy just because they're kind of in that post-bond funk i know on Malax there's a big mayfly hatch so they don't have to travel feel far if they want something to eat so the best thing i found to catch fish is to go lightweight and go really small whether that's a like a lightweight 16th ounce ned head or just a weightless wacky cinco anything faster or heavier they seem to just ignore bass fishing has gotten so popular in this day not just to on your level but i think with the explosion of high school and college 
fishing uh, leagues, that generation that's coming up, they are really into bass right now. And I've just, I've done this show a long time, and I, you know, I talk about a lot of different species, but it used to be bass was almost an afterthought. And not anymore. I mean, I'm talking bass, bass at least 50% of the time now. Oh, yeah. It's getting a lot bigger. I mean, it's getting a lot more popular up here anyway. Walleye's always been king in Minnesota and Wisconsin and whatnot. But as far as making a living tournament fishing, bass, I feel like, has been the avenue to pursue for a while now, even. But it's getting bigger up here. The high school fishing and the college fishing is insane at this point. You're watching these younger, the kids are getting younger and younger, and they're more and more qualified to show up in these higher level events, and they're being more and more successful because of it, just because they've seen so much stuff. They've met so many people. It's only going to get better. If somebody's listening to this show saying, I want to be like Austin Felix, I want to be a pro angler, uh, what do they need to know that they probably don't know about being a pro angler? <laughs> the crazy amount of work it is. There's a lot of kids that love to fish, but if you're not totally obsessed with it, like, it's probably not the avenue for you. For example, fishing the Bassmasters Classic here two weeks ago, we were down there for over 10 days. I never got more than three to four hours of sleep at any given time just because you have so much stuff to do so you really have to be self-motivated and really eaten up by the sport to to be a professional with that being said if you want to do it the best advice i can give you is just fish with as many different people as possible find people that like to do what you hate to do whether that's light line or fishing a frog or flipping Find people who like to do what you dislike doing and get them to take you fishing because the more you do different things, the more techniques you have confidence in, the better you're going to be around the country. From a financial side, uh, what do people need to know? (laughs) It's definitely not glamorous. (laughs) And sponsorships are way more difficult to come by than you can imagine. Even if you fish the Opens and make it on the Elite Series, the very likelihood is you're going to have to pay the vast majority of it out of your pocket until you make a name for yourself. We're talking $55,000 in entry fees and expenses plus whatever else you might need. And that's living cheap. That's me living at home with my parents when I'm not on the road and getting rooms with other people to save money. It's not easy, but it's definitely doable. If if you really want to do it, that's the best thing about this sport is you don't have to be six eight, you don't have to run a four two forty. You can anybody can compete. There isn't any physical limitations really. So if you if you put the time in, you put the effort in, and have a little bit of luck and a lot of talent, you can. How did you do in the classic, by the way? Pretty bad. <laughs> uh, I think I finished like thirty ninth or something. So I think or yeah, something like that. There's 54 boats in it, so not great. That's what happens, though. We were all flipping the same bushes, and inevitably you're going to lose some fish when you're flipping bushes. And That's kind of the story of my day two that kept me from making a day three. But it was tough. It was still an eye-opening experience. Until you fished one, you don't really realize how much work and how much of a spectacle the whole thing is. <laughs> I think what I, I appreciate the most about the pro anglers I talk to is they're very – very open when things don't go well, and they don't get too high, and they don't get too low. Um, just seem to be, you know, pretty down to earth uh, as, for, as far as pro athletes go, and I, I really do appreciate that. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're fishing the we're fishing in a circuit where there's only one winner out of a hundred guys every event, and it's very unlikely to win. So you you got to be self motivated and different sets of goals that you got to try to accomplish. And obviously, winning a tournament's obviously one, but you got others, whether that's being making the classic or rookie of the year last year, or a certain number of top tens, or just making sure you're in the black at the end of the year. Because essentially, if you're going to try to do it just off of winnings, realistically, you're going to have, have to cash a $10,000 check in at least six of our nine tournaments in order to try to sort of break even with entry fees and everything. You can imagine with how good all these guys are to cash a check 66% of the time is not easy. No. So. <laughs> no, it is not. I have a hard tough time doing it, and I have a guaranteed salary. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's Austin Felix. He's in the Bassmaster Elite Tour, last year's Rookie of the Year, uh, part of that northern contingent that's starting to make a lot of noise in Bassmasters. And, Austin, really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us. Best of luck in those last two tournaments out there in New York. I appreciate it. Call back anytime. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for spending some time with us. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast. So you can listen whenever you want to at Podcast One on the Pod MN app or wherever you get your podcasts. Great show still to come later this week. We've got Steve Matson joining the show later on. We've got Mandy Urich going to be here, Jason Rylander, and Craig Dickmeyer. And it's all going to happen before the end of the week. Fish hell, bum, bum.